And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 137, aka season two, episode five, uh, coming at you podcast only this week, uh, one day late. Uh, so happy Guy Fox Day. We're doing this on the 5th. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with M. Uh, that's right, M. I spoke with MC, and he's actually going to be in Thailand until the 11th. Uh, so we got a couple more shows to do without him, and we will gladly welcome him back uh, when, he, when he gets here. Uh, but for now, M. Uh, so what is going on with you this week, M? Nothing much. I did get to have a shorter workday on Friday because Trump was visiting. That's right. Uh, we do the show from Honolulu, Hawaii, and we all had the inconvenience uh, of your president, Trump, landing and doing God knows what, God knows where, uh, bothering everybody and blocking up traffic for us here locally. Uh, so what was your experience and is that what happened to you on Friday? Well, I planned accordingly, so it wasn't too bad of an inconvenience for me. I did feel bad for some of my coworkers who got stuck in uh, tr- traffic or also ended up having to stay in town a lot longer than expected just to miss the, I guess, motorcade or the, his. The transportation of the president from A to B. Yes. Because no one tells you when or where he's going to be. They just block off the roads. Um, yeah, I had a similar experience with some of my coworkers. Um, you know, same like you, they had to plan accordingly, but some of them come from like way out of town uh, to come into work. So they got to work like three hours early. Uh, just to beat the traffic. Um, and meanwhile, you know, uh, you know me, I love my moped and it was no big deal for me. Um, so what, what did you do to plan accordingly or what, what happened with your coworkers, um, you know, to, to prevent getting in the way of the president? I think some of them uh, just plan to stay in town till eight or nine o'clock at night and just not head at home. And also, um, I know some people just, well, not at my business, but some other businesses I heard just weren't coming to work that day because they didn't want to deal with any of the traffic all day long. All right. Well, I, I ride the moped. So when, you know, they, I looked out the window and I saw traffic uh, backed up a little bit and everyone was like, oh, what are you going to do when you get off of work? I'm like, well, I'm going to do everything I do that I normally do. And then if I have to get a little creative with my maneuverings along the roadway, uh, because apparently uh, Trump was going to be like going through the general area of where both of my, you know, regular jobs are at. But I ride the moped again. So I just, you know, at one point, you know, I was like, okay, traffic's moving. So I was like, you know, just cruising along and then it stopped. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll just take the bike lane, you know? So I blew by everyone in the bike lane, got to work like a minute later than I normally would. Um, so no, no big deal for me, but I understand um, you know, the, the, the sentiment going around for everyone else who got stuck in it. Um, you know, and, and, and just like with Obama, uh, you know, you know, what I always say is, you know, when they ask me like, you know, what should I do if I see Trump? I'd say, take the shot. Uh, <laughs> cause who cares? You know, and no good politician, uh, in my mind. Uh, anything else about Trump? No. All right. Anything else to cover this week? Not really. I just do want to say that I saw bad mom's Christmas last night and it was really good and so if anyone's looking for a cool comedy to watch they should go see it totally unrelated headlines a state threatens to kidnap little girl because parents cure her seizures with CBD in a legal state headline state authorities find five-year-old girl for selling lemonade without a business license a headline more government jobs will not solve joblessness headline 
Sexually active students must be reported to law enforcement or state officials, Oregon School District says. Uh, headline, Lou was right about PC. Uh, that one leads a little bit of context. This is from LouRockwell.com. So the Lou they're referring to is Lou Rockwell. Uh, headline, would extremer vetting have stopped this week's attack in Manhattan? Uh, headline, can you go to jail for handing out pamphlets? Uh, headline, so this is what happens with government disaster relief. And finally, headline, since it's going to be a big headline day, a Michigan man facing charges for running unlicensed Bitcoin. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, M? Let's start with the CBD oil article. All right. State threatens to kidnap little girl because parents cure her seizures with CBD in a legal state. Uh, reading into the article, it's a nightmare made entirely by the state. A little girl would be snatched away from caring parents for doing nothing, nothing more than healing their daughter, daughter's debilitating condition with a plant extract. Even though medical cannabinoids, CBD, is now legal in Indiana, Child Protective Services was going to take the 20-month-old Yale Yerger uh, because her parents chose to use legal CBD oil instead of a harmful pharma drug. Fortunately and ironically, this assault was stopped in the nick of time by an Indiana state legislature. Ooh, good legislature. Yeah, right. Uh, back into the article. Yale suffers about 40 epileptic seizures a day and was being seen by doctors at Riley Hospital for Children. They recommended the drug Kepra, which known side effects of drowsiness, dizziness, unusual tiredness, or weakness. Instead of immediately turning to pharmaceutical drugs, as the U.S. medical pharma industry typically does, Leah Yerger, Yale's mother and her husband wanted to find out more about this drug and consider alternatives. CBD oil, a cannabis extract, is well known to stop seizures in their tracks and allow children suffering from multiple seizures a day become virtually seizure-free. CBD, the other major ingredient in cannabis alongside THC, does not produce a high and can be extracted from industrial hemp plants. Due to its amazing healing power, especially for childhood seizures, CBD extract has been legalized in most states, even staunchly prohibitionist holdouts. In April of this year, Indiana legalized the use of CBD oil for those with treatment-resistant epilepsy. After speaking with other parents successfully using CBD, Yale's parents decided they would try it for their own daughter. Uh, why risk the harmful side effects of Kepra if there is a safer, effective option? Apparently, at least one expert at Riley Hospital believes this is such an offense that government must ruin the lives of children and parents who want to end their child's suffering. Uh, Layla Yerger, the child's mother, said personnel at Riley Hospital for Children reported her to Indiana's Child Protective Services after she and her husband decided to use cannabinoidal oil, or CBD, to treat their daughter, Yale, rather than use the medication prescribed by a Riley doctor. Even though the parents had a prescription for medical CBD from a chiropractic neurologist, and even though Yale went from at least 40 noticeable seizures per day to down to almost none. Riley medical personnel reported the parents for not treating their daughter. Unless you conform to the U.S. medical establishment driven by Big Pharma and blinded by the drug war, you are in danger of losing the most precious thing in your life. Uh, Yale was virtually healed of her seizures through a completely legal process, but doctors in the state were somehow compelled to treat these parents as criminals. Uh, CPS, CPS arrived at the Jurgers' house in Huntingdonburg on September 20th, formally asking the parents to agree to keep Yale on Kepra, to take her for a weekly blood test to confirm she was taking Kepra, and to only see a specified physician, Layla said. 
Uh, just days before CPS arrived, the Jurgers said they had already decided to add Keppra to their CBD oil treatment after consulting with another neurologist. Uh, Jurgers said CPS said it would get a court order to remove Yale from their home if they did not comply. Uh, CPS contacted the family again on September 26th, Jurgers said, telling the family to admit the girl to a specific hospital for symptoms from the Keppra medication. Uh, Representative Mark Mesmer was not going to let this injustice happen. He called the office of Governor Eric Holcomb, the director of the Department of Child Services, soon after DCS dropped the case. They had overreacted based on a complaint from the nurse practitioner in the case and should have approached it more cautiously than they did, Mesmer said. I saw it as extremely heavy-handed and overreach on the part of DCS. Incredibly, Governor Holcomb believes that his agency acted appropriately by threatening to steal a child from caring parents for the act of healing their own children through legal means. In his mind, ensuring the child safely means ripping her from her family and taking away the cure for her seizures. Uh, Leah Yerger expressed the trauma she experienced. Our daughter was never taken away from us, but the fear was horrible to live with, says Yerger. I would look outside to my window and just scared to death, I would see a police officer and CPS here to take my kid. And she is not taking this lying down. Uh, Jurger wants CPS to be held accountable for what she sees as wrongdoing by the agency. She had started Facebook pages called Justice for Layla and Parents for DCS Reform to bring attention to the situation. Our hope in this whole mess is that no other family will ever have to go through this, she posted on her page. If a product is legal and works, then something needs to be done to prevent CPS or hospitals from reporting it. Uh, the actions of Representative Mesmer and other noble lawmakers, such as Representative Alan Peake of Georgia, who skirts the law to bring medical cannabis to sick kids, suggest the tide has turned. Uh, with awareness, communication, and civil disobedience, resistance to prohibition is growing. Uh, end of the article. Your thoughts, M, uh, on this article and treating your child or your children uh, with non-state sanctioned, necessarily, medication. Um. Well, I think it's great that she was able to get CPS to drop their case. And I do think there's a lot of alternative ways out there in treating illness that are not supported in this country. And it kind of makes me happy that there's people out there who are fighting to bring more awareness to the situation. So would you, you said there's a lot of alternative methods outside of this country. Would you advocate uh, people just skirt the law, break the law? And go around the government uh, in order to to treat their symptoms or get alternative cures uh, for what ails them? Or are you one of those people that says, like, the law is the law. And we must then conform to whatever the state says uh, we can use to to treat our ails. Um, well, I don't see that there's a law here being broken. Is there? Not in this case, but I'm expanding the question. Um. I guess I can't think of a situation where alternative medicines or taking alternative treatments are against the law. I I often see, I mean, it's, I don't know any law that says people can't take certain substances because a lot of the homeopathic methods that I'm thinking of aren't necessarily illegal drugs. So I couldn't really think of a situation where that would be. Uh, what I would say is, that I think when people go to the doctor uh, and doctors prescribe the medications, I think they just go with what is said um, without considering or even maybe being aware of that there might be alternatives, such like in this case that um, have little to no side effects and are probably healthier for you to put into your body. So in this case, the state of Indiana legalized uh, CPDs for treatment in other states and I, don't ha I also don't have the list in front of me, uh, 
such methods to treat seizures is deemed illegal by the state, and only the pharmaceutical treatments, uh, you know, prescribed by the doctor would be acceptable. So if this were a state where CPD and cannabinoids were illegal, um, are you saying that they should not be able to use that treatment then because you can't think of a, another way to do it? No, I guess in that case, I can see why you would want to use that treatment. On the flip side, this is a little bit out of scope, uh, but I have a friend or not a very close friend, but a I know someone who is telling me that um, her friend's brother who lives in India was using CPD oil to treat many people there and was having quite a bit of success. Uh, however, he was put under, I guess he was arrested and now is in jail uh, because it was illegal there. And I do think it is a shame that that happened to him because from what I had heard, and this is all, I guess, hearsay, uh, he was doing a lot of good with his treatments. Well, I just watched a video of a guy who has, you know, uh, a strong form of, I think it was Tourette's, where he, he just can't control his body, just spasms uncontrollably, like from, from morning to night, just painful spasms. And then he sits down and smokes a joint and, you know, so, so not CBD oil, but he smokes a joint and all of a sudden he's like calm and functional and normal. And even though it's marijuana, uh, there's no high for him, right? He doesn't get the high effect. He just gets the relaxation of the muscles uh, and the, and you know, the, the, the non-spasming uh, of his body. Um, and yet that is illegal and still illegal in a number of different states. So what, what do you think should be done for people like that uh, where it is illegal for them to treat themselves with what's proven to be effective medication just happens to be, you know, not state-sponsored medication yet? Should they continue uh, to use their medication or do you think that they need to go see a doctor and get some, you know, opiate drug, some pharmaceutical drug uh, that, that may or may not have the same positive effects uh, as cannabis or cannabinoids or marijuana in general? Well, I'm not that person, so I really don't feel comfortable making suggestions for the person. Um, if it were me, I would figure out a way to continue to treat myself. Um, you know, I'm outside of that, I'm not sure. I guess we're lucky because it's not illegal here, and so I haven't had to face that issue. Okay, but if it were you, you'd be okay breaking the law then to make sure that you got your medicine. Yes, or I go somewhere where it isn't breaking the law. For example, I do have some friends who um, went out of state or out of country for treatment due to their illness um, for several reasons. Number one, it, I don't know if it was against the law in the U.S., but some other countries do have better treatments than we do. So I think I'd be, yeah, I, I guess I, in my mind, I'd be more focused on my health than the law. Okay. So where, where do you stand then on the law itself and the state interfering with that? I mean, this is the anarchist experience, so we always advocate just ending the state and letting people choose their own medicine. Uh, but you've, you still don't self-describe uh, 100% as an anarchist. So deep down inside somewhere, you still have some affinity towards the state and state-sponsored solutions. But in your case, you're saying uh, you'd break the law to, to focus on your treatment, uh, don't you think then that uh, everyone should have that same freedom 
and and shouldn't have to go out of state or out of country, uh, you know, to to find better medicine. Like I understand if it if if the treatments are better there, you know, then go where the best you know where the best uh, solution is available or the best treatments are available. But if if those treatments are prohibited here and that's the reason for leaving. Right. Shouldn't we just remove the prohibition so that everyone uh, can can get the, you know, the best treatment possible or have access to the best treatment possible wherever they happen to be and not have to leave the country or leave the state uh, simply because it's a, a silly rule on the on the local government's part? Yes, I see your point. Anything else? No, just a lot of blessings and healings for the Torres family. All right. What article do you want to read next? Well, I'm still dabbling in Bitcoin, so I'd love to see the Bitcoin article. Michigan man faces charges for running unlicensed Bitcoin. And again, I, I will point out that this one uh, hits a little bit home for me because, well, I'm, I'm, I'm attempting to do uh, kind of what this man is doing and, you know, with, with a, a moderate level of success. Um, and, and, you know, partially because, well, let, let's see what they got for me, too. Uh, Bloomingfield Township, Michigan, a 52-year-old Michigan man was named in a federal indictment accused of exchanging bitcoins improperly in Bloomfield Township. Bradley Anthony Stetsky was charged with operating an unlicensed money-transmitting business. According to the indictment, Stetsky went by the name Salt and Pepper on a website called Local Bitcoins and would meet customers at a Tim Hortons restaurant and sell bitcoins at a premium. Authorities say Stetsky bought, sold, and brokered deals for hundreds of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin while failing to comply with the money transmitting business registration requirements set forth in Title 31, United States Code, Section 5330. Undercover agents allegedly bought over $55,000 worth of Bitcoin from Stetsky over the course of six meetings. Authorities say Stetsky also brokered a deal with an out-of-state seller. What is Bitcoin? Ah, whatever. Bitcoin is a digital currency that is not tied to a bank or government and allows users to spend money anonymously. Uh, the coins are created by users who mine them, lending computer power to verifying other users' transactions. They receive bitcoins in exchange. The coins can also be sold, bought and sold on exchanges with U.S. dollars and other countries. Their value has fluctuated over time. Because the, form, because the currency isn't formally regulated, its legality is a bit fuzzy. The currency has also drawn the ire of many in law enforcement and cybersecurity because it's difficult to trace, making it a currency of choice for hackers behind ransomware attacks. But in September, New York State regulators approved their first license for a company dealing with Bitcoin. Uh, your thoughts on this man doing basically what I'm doing, uh, you know, selling and trading Bitcoin online and getting busted. I kind of want to know more about whatever they arrested him for what was what were they saying i mean other than stating code what does that code say oh why don't you look it up title 31 u.s state code section 5330 uh failing to comply with the money transmitting business regulation registration requirements um so as you while she's looking that up uh as you know uh i don't like getting permission from the state to do anything um and so i don't um, and so, you know, when, when the opportunity was given to me to, to basically do this, uh, just what this guy was doing, I went, well, this is going to be fun, you know, cause th there's, there's nothing more. I, en there's not much more I enjoy, uh, than, you know, ma making money outside the scope of the U S government and the, you know, the, the local government here. Um, 
and I've made, I've, you know, the, one of the, the great things about the, my situation with the, with Bitcoin is, uh, I get paid in Bitcoin now for, <laughs> for, for, uh, handling the trades. So that's a positive, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, I, I collect the cash, I transfer the cash, uh, I get paid back in Bitcoin and all's well and is all is good. Um, and for me, you know, the, the question comes up is like, well, when are you going to cash out? And I go, I don't think I'm going to, you know, like at this point, um, my mentality has shifted to the point where, um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm with MC on this, right? Bitcoin is money. Uh, and if I can spend it like Bitcoin, uh, or if I can spend Bitcoin on goods and services, uh, by all means, let's do it that way. Um, and I've also, you know, I've, I've, uh, put my agorist spirit to the forefront, my entrepreneurial spirit, uh, forward. And I've run, um, a couple of businesses, uh, unsuccessfully for the most part. Um, but profitably, you know, if you, if you want to count that, I don't know, you know, it depends how you gauge success, right? I, I've run a uh, profitable business without, uh, state oversight or state permission. Um, and I've run, you know, uh, unpro- unprofitable businesses, um, you know, without state permission, without state permission as well. So getting them involved for me, um, has nothing to do with it. I just enjoy, um, you know, making money under the table as best that I can, um, without getting the state involved. Did you find the title? You look like you're ready. Um, I did find the title and I kind of just browsed through it. I found the title and I browsed through it. Um, you know, there's so many laws, (laughs) I feel bad for this guy because I, I, I don't know. I'd be curious to see what happens to him. I don't think an everyday person is going to understand this or know this. And if he was just trading cryptocurrency and just following the trends, I mean, I, I think the whole thing is unfortunate. The whole It takes the spirit out of what I think or what I understand Bitcoin to be, which is really something that is supposed to be governed by the user's for people to use for trade in their own market outside of government regulation. And, yeah. and yet here comes the government regulating it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I, I've, it's unfortunate that there's not uh, companies out there who are, I guess, selling or moderating, I don't know, facilitating Bitcoin that um, they're not able to share with people who are... I, like small time sellers and users, how the ins and outs of, I guess, the laws, how it works. There's better ways, I think, to use it or, I guess, bypass it. Um, I I am hoping that Bitcoin will just kind of become a form of, I guess, currency that can be used everywhere and it just be outside of everyday USD transactions. Okay. And one of the things I talked to another friend of mine when, you know, when, when the, my Bitcoin business enterprise or started up and I, and, you know, I, I talked to him, I'm like, okay, what I need, you know, is someone to source the Bitcoin for me. Like someone who can, you know, who can, who can buy off the exchanges to keep me anonymous. Uh, you know, when uh, like, I don't, I don't keep myself anonymous when I'm trading. Like, I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, when I'm out there, but I don't, what I don't want is, um, my Bitcoin trades to, to touch a bank account. Um, that's what I'm trying to avoid. You know, I don't, I don't want I don't want it to get held up in a bank account. I don't want it to show up in a bank account. I don't want anything to be on the exchanges where, you know, a wire transfer goes from me to some European country, uh, like the good old days. 
And so I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, in, in order to like, you know, because he's already set up. Like he's on the exchange. I'm like, dude, all, all you need to do is like buy the Bitcoin and then I give you the cash and then you transfer it to my wallet. And his response was, well, what are the tax implications to that? And I was like, what do you mean? What are the tax implications to that? You know, like if, if you know, you're, you're just like going to the store and buying something for me, right? Like if I said, you know, uh, hey, Joe, can you can you go to the store and get me a gallon of milk, right? And then when you give me the gallon of milk, I'll pay you back for it, right? Like, you know, or here's some money. Here, here Here's five bucks, you know, go to the store and buy me a gallon of milk. And then I'm going to go, you know, sell the gallon of milk, right? Or use it. Like, who cares, right? For, from your perspective, who cares? You go to the store, you buy the gallon of milk, uh, and then you just give me the milk. And then what I do with it is kind of my business. Like, you wouldn't ask me what the tax implications for that is. Um, but apparently, you know, uh, with, with Bitcoin, right? If I, send, if I send you to the Bitcoin store to buy me, you know, uh, a Bitcoin or whatever, and then you, you give me that Bitcoin and you get the money for it, uh, you know, to pay you back for buying the Bitcoin, Right. Apparently, there's you know there's some tax implications that need to be considered uh, before we can just go ahead and make that trade. Um, and I think part of that is you know be, because the you know the state the lawmakers uh, don't haven't really figured out uh, what a Bitcoin is or how to regulate it. And the best thing that they can do is to try to put it out of business and to stop people from trading it, uh, as we do on localbitcoins.com. Uh, and by doing that, by putting up these, you know, obscure laws and rules and regulations, uh, they try to deter people from actively, uh, you know, actively trading and, and you know, conducting business um, because they, they're calling it a money transmittal service as opposed to just another good or service uh, being offered by buyers and sellers and, you know, on a, in a marketplace. Um, so what are your thoughts on that as far as just being able to trade it uh, like any other goods or service and not being considered uh, a money transmittal business? I agree 100% with what you said. I I think it's I think it's actually unfair that they arrest these people. Um you know, I'm not I'm still learning about anarchy. What I will say is if people weren't clearly aware of what the laws are, then I personally don't hold them responsible for breaking them because this to me is gray area. It's this, I don't know this person, but the people that I do know that are kind of trading and playing with Bitcoin don't think of it too much like money and currency. I mean, it, it is kind of like, okay, I mean, some people think of it almost as like a gift certificate or stock. I mean, it's not clearly spelt out and the government does not know how to regulate it. It is not, um, it's not everyday to me knowledge that people understand this. And for it, because of that, um, I don't know. I think it's, I think they're doing a poor job of whatever they're trying to do, which I do agree is making it very hard for people to use Bitcoin. Well, you know, to, to your point about people not understanding what the law is, I think you can say that about most crimes and most laws, you know, on the books. And there's, you know, tomes and tomes of it. And, you know, for, for, from what you're saying, it's, you know, uh, uh, not understanding the law is not an excuse for breaking it. Um, so I'm sure this guy feels good that you're not going to hold him responsible, um, but he's still being, you know, held and fined and, and, and you know, arrested by the state uh, for, for trading, whether or not, whether or not uh, he knows what he was doing 
was against the law, right? Like, you know, what, what is it? Uh, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Uh, that doesn't hold that doesn't hold water in actual court anymore. You know, they, they expect you to know all the laws, all the rules, all the regulations. Um, and if you don't, well, then, you know, then somehow somewhere yeah, you owe them some money. Um, so, again, I'm going to expand the uh, the discussion here beyond the article. So hopefully you can keep up. Uh, how do you feel about other laws necessarily then that are on the books um, that people may not know are against the law or what the activity that they're doing is against the law? Should they be held responsible uh, for breaking some obscure rule, uh, rule regulation, or code uh, in your mind? I'm not sure. I have to think on that a little bit longer. We have time. <laughs> I can see in some cases I would say no, they should not be held responsible. Please go on. Well, I'm going to assume that in this world with many scenarios, there is probably a scenario that would be similar to this that exists. So that's why I would say that there are probably situations out there that I would feel the same way about. I'm not sure, quite sure I understood what you just said. So moving on, uh, what article do you want to read through next? Uh, why don't we read about the five-year-old girl selling lemonade? Porterville, California, uh, the state knows no empathy, logic, or reason and will enforce its most asinine decrees, even if it means targeting an innocent five-year-old girl's lemonade stand. Without resistance, this encroachment upon our everyday activity is as inevitable as the tide. In Porterville, California, a family is learning this harsh reality of the state after they were issued a citation from City Hall for $59 the local fee for applying for a new license plus a fine. Uh, Autumn Thomason proudly set up the stand outside her family's home last June as means of raising money to buy a bicycle. She sold lemonade, candy, and snacks and raised a whopping $82, enough to buy herself a new bike. Her family took to Facebook to celebrate the young entrepreneur's hard work. It meant so much to know she earned her own money that mom and dad didn't need to go buy her. She got to bring her own wallet and buy it herself and pay at the cash register, the host told Fox 26. However, the entrepreneurial spirit was crushed this week after her mother received the threatening note of extortion in the mail. What kind of world do we live in where kids can't do lemonade stands, or any kind of stands for that matter, without getting in trouble? Gabby DeHaas wrote of her daughter's extortion over the lemonade. How are we supposed to show our kids to work hard for what they want and expand their ideas entrepreneurship if they need a license for everyday little things? Uh, I just got fined for my daughter, have a three-hour lemonade a couple months ago so she could know how to earn money to know the value of a dollar. I'm not mad about the money for the fine. I'm mad about the pettiness of the reasoning. These things are just straight wrong. The citation includes a printout of DeHaas' Facebook post advertising her daughter's stand. I was thrown back by that. I didn't appreciate the screenshot of my daughter sent back to me, DeHaas said. Uh, after DeHaas' post began to pick up steam, however... Authorities quickly backpedaled once the ridiculous extortion scheme was exposed. Uh, Portersville City Manager John Lolis told Fox 26 the letter was sent in response to a complaint filed with the city. He is now apologizing. There is no excuse why it should have been sent, he said. We want our youth to be engaged and looking at business opportunities. DeHaas told Fox 26 that her daughter learned a valuable lesson about the entire debacle. There's always going to be bitter people or bad people, she said but they're always going to be good outweighing everybody. Uh, despite claiming that this letter should not have been sent, the reality of the matter is that municipalities across the United States 
carry out similar rackets on a daily basis, especially in California. As TFTP previously reported, the Orange County Authority shut down Annabelle Lockwood's small business and gave her 30 days to get the proper permit and license. The permit was said to cost around $200, but in order to secure the permit, Annabelle was told she needs to meet a bevy of government regulations costing $3,500 just to serve fresh-squeezed fruit juice to thirsty passerbys. Bearing down on the age-old tradition of youngsters setting up lemonade stands demonstrates how obsessed the state has become in regulating small business. It appears that Annabelle made it through the gauntlet with the help of many who donated to her GoFundMe account after reading her story, and Thomason received an apology. Others, however, are not so fortunate. In Portland, Oregon, an 11-year-old girl wanted to sell mistletoe from their farm at a holiday market to help her dad pay for her braces, which cost $5,000. But the Park Bureau refused to let her set up without a permit, lease, or concession agreement. She was told she could beg instead. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this uh, cracking down on school or on uh, child-run uh, entrepreneurial ventures? I think it's ridiculous. I kind of wonder if people have better things to do. Okay, so what article do you want to read through next? Um, I'm just kidding. You <laughs> suck at this. I just want everyone to know. I just want to point out real quick um, that between this article and the first one we read, um, they come from the same source. So that's you know the, that's one thing. The uh, the free the free thought project, which is highly utilized by us for you know great articles that we can use for show prep. Um, but it points out, you know, that the when when light is shown uh, on the government's activities, they have a, a, a tendency to backpedal a little bit. Right. You know, the, the representative stepped in, you know, to to allow uh, the man to use his cannabinoid oil and the city manager, you know, stepped in apologizing for, you know, for a letter that shouldn't have been sent uh, for a little girl's lemonade stand. Uh, but as the article said, this happens this happens so often, um, that's right, often, uh, this happens so often that there's, you know, nothing, there's no stopping them from, from doing this over and over and over again and only apologizing for the times that they get caught or when it's bad PR for them, right? Like how, how many lemonade stands get set up and shut down that don't have a Facebook following and don't have an article written about them and don't have, you know, public outcry and backlash for the state's actions? Um, you know, not just across California, but across the country, right? And how many people just get busted for using their medicine and they, they, there's no outcry, there's no public backlash, there's no, there's no representative advocating for them, you know, do, doing the good deeds of, of a representative, right? Whatever that means, uh, not advocating for them where, you know, they, they, just, they just suffer or die, right? Or their, your, or their business gets put out uh, and their entrepreneurial spirit gets crushed uh, never to be seen again, right? And then, you know, they end up with jobs, like all the rest of us. Um, but it's it just, it's striking that, you know, with, with all the articles that we bring forward um, regarding these issues, there's always, you know, there, there's always a handful where it's, you know, because of the public outcry uh, or because of, you know, the, the, the backlash, you know, for the state that, that, that they back down. So how often do we have to, you know, how, how many more of these articles do we have to read or how many more times or how in your local area, what can you do uh, to help these to help these people out and, you know, raise awareness um, that a little girl should be able to set up a lemonade stand uh, or, you know, uh, someone should be able to sell mistletoe or someone should be able to use the medicine that they want uh, without state intervention. Like 
what are they even doing? And are they even necessary? Uh, and my answer is no. Like what, what, what does the state do for you besides get in the way? Um, even, you know, even the beginning of the show with, with the, you know, the whole moving of Trump around the Island, right? What good, what good did that do for anybody? Right. You know, uh, M despite her, you know, her shyness behind the microphone, uh, was able to put forth a few sentences where she said that, you know, coworkers, uh, or other businesses shut down, uh, for the day because, you know, because Trump was coming through. Right. And, and for, you know, a, a president that's supposed to be like, you know, trade and, you know, you know, uh, open, you know, op- open trade and, you know, better for businesses. Right. Just his presence alone shuts down trade. Right. Businesses close because, oh, my God, he can't just come through like a normal human being. Uh, he's got to shut down the road, shut down the freeways, shut down everything, you know, within a three block radius, uh, you know, for, of, of wherever he's at at the time. So it's like a moving a moving, you know, dead zone. Um, and I know that, you know, the, the restaurant that I was working at, um, that night, because we happened to be like, you know, near where the dead zone was supposed to be, was as dead as can possibly be, uh, for a Friday night, right? Like I work in the kitchen and I don't, I, I can count on one hand, the amount of dishes that I prepared for dinner, uh, you know, for, for customers that night. Um, and there, the, I have no other explanation for it other than, you know, Trump, caused it right because people just weren't around right the, the the traffic was terrible despite me being able to maneuver through it on a moped uh, but foot traffic right gets shut down uh, which which is what the restaurant heavily relies upon um, you know for 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 getting walk-in customers um, because there's you know secret service everywhere and you can't park here and you can't be there and just go away uh, so everyone's away on a busy Friday night right a busy Friday night in the middle of like you know the the tourist haven uh, for, uh, for Hawaii at least, right. Gets like, you know, a handful of customers, uh, with no other reason than, you know, because, because, you know, some state activity was taking place. Right. So, and if you just eliminate that, uh, from your life, if you just, you know, if you, if you can do it in your mind first, right. And then later physically just get rid of the, the, the thought process, uh, in your head that says the state is necessary and that they do some kind of good, then maybe, just maybe, we can all move forward, um, you know, and just eliminate it all together, uh, peacefully or violently. I don't care, right? You know, they, you know, some people will say, "Well, you can't do it violently because the, you know, the the rest of the world uh, or there, there are certain citizens or certain community members that aren't ready uh, for a stateless society." And I go, "Well, screw them, because they're holding me back. They're holding me back, and they're holding back human progress in general." And if they need to be eliminated or just fall along the wayside because they can't be productive without the state being there, then I'm all for that too, right? But I, I want little girls to be able to set up lemonade stands. I want little farmers to be able to sell mistletoe. I want people to be able uh, to, to you know, provide, their, provide cures for their whatever ails them, to take whatever medicine they choose to take, right? I want people to be able to trade uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or any other currency for that matter without worry about being busted uh, or about breaking some obscure law by the state, right? I want people to have the freedom that they deserve, number one, and if they don't, well, then they can fall off by the wayside like everybody else, Uh, but I will survive. I will move forward, and I want to be around people willing to move forward with me uh, and move beyond the mentality that the state uh, is necessary or permanent, you know, the, you know, the, the old quote, like the only, the, the only two certainties are death and taxes. 
Well, let's, you know, let's cure both of those in one fell swoop, shall we? Uh, you know, no, no taxes, no state, no, no ridiculous oversights, no ridiculous regulations, just free people trading amongst themselves freely, moving across borders freely. Yeah, that one too, right? Just being able to do whatever it is they want to do so long as they don't harm anybody else. Uh, and if they do decide to be one of those that harms other people, well, then end them too, right? You know, if, if you want to be like a mini state amongst yourself and, and lay claim to another person's life or liberty, well, then you can be ended as well. And I will have no qualms uh, or remorse about that either. Any other thoughts? No. All right. Any other article you want to read through next? Okay. Lou was right about PC. Uh, again, uh, the, the Lou is Lou Rockwell, um, and this comes from the, the LouRockwell.com blog. Cato uh, is out with a new study correctly positing that political correctness is a problem in America after all. It turns out that people really do censor themselves, and worse, due to fear of being discovered to hold unauthorized thoughts. For decades, many libertarians told us that PC was no big deal, that it was about respect and concern for the viewpoints of others, that it represented a large, largely benevolent, though sometimes excessive attempt to build a more inclusive society. Uh, people like Lou Rockwell, who attacked PC, were being alarmist and crankish, just like people who rail against nebulous concepts like cultural Marxism. Language evolves, after all, and what's so wrong about being nice? PC is not a libertarian issue, they insisted, but purely a cultural matter that poses no threat to freedom. In fact, the LRC, uh, LouRockwell.com, has led the charge on this. PC was always a concerted attempt to change the way people think, feel, speak, and thus act. It was always about controlling and molding people, and it was always state-driven through the nexus of government agencies, NGOs, and government universities. Average people do not want to live in a PC gotcha society. PC was never a natural evolution of thought and language, but a deeply illiberal top-down imposed scheme as Lou and LRC readers have always known. Uh, end of the article. Uh, your thoughts, uh, M, do you want to live in a PC world? I wasn't ready for that question. Um, Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I think it has its... Eh. I think it's been overdone. I, At the beginning, I think when I was younger, I understood why it was needed or I thought it was a great idea. I think it's been taken to an extreme. Um, and no, not really. Not not too much anymore. I wish, I wish there was a way that it could still be a, around, like people could understand it, but not to the point where it's been taken. What do you mean? You want political correctness to be around, but not as extreme? Is that what you're saying? Like, what level of political correctness are you okay with? Mm. When I was younger, I remember there being derogatory remarks that I don't really understand why they existed. I did think that they were very mean-spirited. And when people started using the term PC... Um, I did think it was a respectful way to communicate with people and it was a gentler way to talk about being different. For example? Well, wait, let me finish my original thought before I answer that question. Um, it's I'm not sure how long it's been, but I want to say maybe 20 years since this concept was introduced, maybe longer, you, you know, 
but I think it's been overused. Now everything is about being politically correct, and I think freedom of expression has been lost. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. And then you want an example of a gentler, kinder way of communicating? Is that is that what you asked for? Sure. You said it was different before, and so I'm looking. I'm trying to get from you an example of what was different before, how it is now. And my original question was, what level of political correctness are you okay with? Uh, since you don't want to eliminate it completely, um, you just don't want it to be as extreme as it is. Um, well, when I first remember let's see, growing up, I'm trying to think, I think there are a lot of derogatory terms used for gay and lesbian people. And I think it's more respectful that they have uh, different terms being used than the ones that were being used before, which I guess would be an example. So the fact that they now choose their own terms makes it okay, but if other people choose to use certain terms for gay and lesbian people, then that's not okay. I think it makes it easier, or it did before. In what sense? Well, I'm don't I mean I really I don't feel like I can really talk about it because I wasn't in one of those groups who are fighting for whatever injustice or uh, prejudice that was you know existing at the time I mean it's become more acceptable in society I remember when I was younger it was these were subjects that just weren't talked about and when people were um of that lifestyle was were referred to, they were talked to and used in derogatory terms. Um, I think by when political correctness came around, uh, there was, I guess, an awareness or education about what those lifestyles were, which I think was a good thing. Like having awareness and learning about differences in people in general, I think is always a good thing. So again, education as a solution, as opposed to laws, and self-censorship. Yes, thank you. I, I think when political correctness, at least how I viewed it, was around in the beginning or I, when I first heard of those concepts, to me it was more about education and understanding. In today's world, I, I, I don't know what it's about too much anymore. I feel like it's just like, I feel like it's just an extreme. Um, things just taken into a micromanaging level kind of much like the girl who is trying to sell lemonade like I don't know what the tipping point is I just know that things have just gotten to a point where everyone's just really nitpicky about everything that happens and I feel like it's a diversion to what people could be focusing on fair enough uh, now I, I will say this I self-censor on occasion and on this show um more so not because I want to be PC, uh, but because I have an agreement with uh, our, our regular co-host MC about words that he is not comfortable hearing uh, or being used when promoting the anarchist experience brand or being associated with that. Um, so I, I have agreed to not use certain words uh, on the show and in post related to the show that I would ordinarily use in everyday life. Um, and again, it's, it's more out of respect for him, uh, than out of, you know, any other sort of like social obligation. 
because generally speaking, I am as unfiltered, as uncensored as you can get. Um, and when people, when people take offense uh, to certain words and language, um, I just, I, I, I do my best to explain to them uh, that the word is just a word and it doesn't have to have, you know, the, the connotation behind it, um, but it's their emotional reaction uh, that l- lends power to the word. Right. Like I, I cuss quite a bit, you know, and people are like, oh, you, sh- you shouldn't be saying that. Um, I go, well, why is it a bad word to you? Like what makes the word, what makes the F word bad to you? Right. Like why, why, why is that sound uh, so offensive to your sensibilities that you can't handle it uh, in, in your mind? Like what happened to you? You know, what, what sort of cultural conditioning and programming did you undergo uh, where that word uh, is deemed offensive and other words that sound similar to it uh, may not be right. And I was, you know, uh, and I, I try to catch myself, but I was, uh, you know, at a, at a friend's house, um, man, probably close to like a month ago. Um, and in the course of our normal conversation, I swore quite a bit, but he had this like really young kid around. I was like, man, I kind of felt bad towards the end of it. Cause I, you know, I was like, man, the, the kid's hearing me cuss. So I apologize. I'm like, ah, sorry about that. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's like for you and him. Uh, but at least, you know, I know with, with, uh, my son, uh, he hears me cuss, uh, and I don't really care <laughs> how he feels about it. And he cusses and I don't know if he's doing it to like, you know, test the boundaries of what I will be bothered by. Uh, but I don't care. Right. Like other people can get offended by his language and, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, a, a, an 11 year old is saying those things. I go, why, why are you having such an emotional reaction to it? Right. It's just a word. And when used appropriately, it adds effect uh, to the message you're trying to get across or in the conversation that you're trying to have. Right. And so when we take this back to, uh, you know, in, in, uh, to the article, this gotcha society, um, it's, it's another thing that just divides people uh, among certain boundaries and borders, right? Like uh, the, the words wouldn't be offensive, um, you know, if, if people weren't offended by them, right? If, if the LGBT, uh, community weren't bothered by derogatory terms when being referred to as them, then it would have no power. Right. And you know, one, one of the, <laughs> I, I threw this question out there a while ago, um, you know, in jest, eh, but I'm also partially serious. Right. Is, is, is it not cultural appropriation uh, for black folks to use the N word uh, since it was used by whites first? Right. Is, is, isn't that a thing? And wasn't it their, you know, objective in some form or fashion of like taking it back um, by, by changing it up a little bit and using it to refer to each other as right. And same, you know, within, you know, the, the LGBT uh, community, you know, where, where they're okay with certain terms, like you can call them queer, uh, and that's okay if it's okay with them, right? You got to get their permission first. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's just another way to divide people, uh, you know, uh, amongst lines that ought not be drawn in the first place, right? If you're gay, you're gay. If you're queer, you're queer. If you're a lesbian, you're, le- but like, I don't really care, right? I don't ask, I don't care if you tell me it's not like a don't ask, don't tell policy. Um, but it just, it just seems to be, you know, like just another, like I said, another, a uh, a chasm or a schism between groups used to divide. And if it weren't such a PC culture, uh, as the article is stating, 
then it couldn't even be used as a tool because no one would care, right? It would still be, you know, Lou Rockwell has been famous for saying it's not the left versus the right, it's the state versus you. And anytime we divide, anytime we use like words and PC culture and terminology uh, to divide between left and right, um, it's just another mechanism for the state to keep the infighting going uh, and instead of bringing us together to take down the true enemy, right, which is, you know, which is the biggest problem that I have, um, you know, with, with the left versus right paradigm and even the alt-right paradigm um, is that they lost sight of the goal, right? You know, all, all the alt-writers that were once anarchists or libertarians was like, you know, anti-state, and then all of a sudden they go, well, no, the left, the left is a bigger problem than the state. And I go, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, they're only a problem when they try to use the mechanisms of the state. And in that case, they're the state and we can still attack the state uh, as, as, the, as the big, you know, overarching issue of which, you know, uh, which drowns out uh, cultural progress and, and, and human evolution. Um, let's not get caught up in this left versus right paradigm. And I think what the article is trying to say is, yes, you know, the, the PC culture is, a, is an issue for liberty because, again, uh, if you're self-censoring, uh, e- even though it's self-censoring, right, you're doing so, uh, you know, to, to benefit someone at your own detriment, right? You're giving up your own liberty. You're giving up your own freedom to speak the words that you want to speak uh, to appease somebody else. Uh, and, and that's never a good thing uh, for me. Other thoughts? Mm, I guess when political correctness first, like I first learned about it, I didn't look at it as us versus them or being separatists. I think if as far as lines of progress goes, it's about including people in the conversation. Um, Just in everyday interaction, in my experience, uh, if I'm giving someone respect, they're more likely to hear and be okay with things that I say after they know that I am trying to include them instead of making them my enemy. But that's just some of my interactions during the day. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that that's possibly what they might have been trying to do. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. You definitely have way stronger viewpoints on a lot of these things than me. That's why it's my show. Last article. Sexually active students must be reported to law enforcement or state officials, Oregon School District says. Uh, The Salem-Kaiser School District headquarters, teachers and staff in Salem-Kaiser School District, which includes more than 40,000 students, were recently told that if they learn or merely suspect a student is sexually active, they must report it to law enforcement or state officials. According to Oregon law, anyone under 18 years old cannot legally give consent meaning all sexual activity between minors is considered sexual abuse. This policy, district officials said, stems from Oregon's mandatory reporting and child abuse laws. But that seems to be a singular interpretation of the law. The Statesman Journal reached out to school districts around the state and found that none of them had the same mandate, or not one of them had the same mandate. Uh, The subject came up at a training session for teachers and staff in the school district because we felt like we hadn't made it clear enough. As Superintendent Christy Perry told the Statesman Journal, during the presentation, the district offered several specific examples of when an employee needs to contact law enforcement. Uh, These include a 15-year-old telling a teacher that she is having sex with her boyfriend and wants to learn about birth control, or a 17-year-old confiding in a teacher that his 16-year-old girlfriend is pregnant. Another example, a 14-year-old boy confides in you that he was kicked out of a house after his parents discovered he was in a same-sex relationship. 
During the conversation, the student shares that he's engaged in sexual acts with his partner. The district claims that the policy is for teenagers' safety. Simply reporting to the state doesn't mean police are going to be knocking on the doors of students, district spokesperson Lillian Govas told uh, KOIN. Uh, what it does allow for is an abundance of caution in ensuring that our children are safe. Uh, many disagree. An online petition calling for an end to the mandate has garnered more than 1,100 signatures, some gathered uh, on the state capitol steps to protest the policy. Some pointed out that this leaves high school students without anyone to speak with about sex. Uh, you can't have a conversation about sex without talking about sex, Deborah Carnegie, uh, Program Coordinator for Child Protective Services in Oregon's Department of Human Services, told the Statesman Journal. Uh, others pointed out that sexual activity among high school students is common. We understand that the law for age of consent is at least 18. Angel Hudson, an 11th grader at McNary High School in Salem, Oregon, wrote and supported the petition. But we also understand that jaywalking is illegal and everyone still does that. Uh, it's, it's a matter that occurs far too often to arrest every single jaywalker. Uh, more than 40% 40, more than 40 of high school students surveyed by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention reported having sex in 2015, which, if applied to this particular district, would account for almost 12,000 students. The average age Americans have sex for the first time is 17.3 years old. Uh, I lose the ability to have private conversations with a trusted adult who works for the district about something personal to me, Hudson added. Uh, talking about sexual activity between teachers and students should be confidential. Some teachers say they would simply ignore the mandate. To me, I feel like I'm being told to tell the students to shut up, a teacher wrote. Uh, a teacher who spoke on the condition of anonymity told the Kaiser Times. Teachers are also being told to establish appropriate adult-student connections so that when students come to school, they feel safe and cared for. If students have a trusted adult at school they think they need to talk with about sex, I see no problem with teachers being that. Gova said the district is merely trying to comply with the law, but the Statesman Journal says it checked with other school districts in the state. It is not convenient for our educators to report these in all instances, and it's not something that the students desire, Govis told KOIN. Uh, but for our employees to remain compliant with the law as it is written, we must report, and that goes for any school district employee who must report any sexual activity between minors. Uh, one parent, though, offers a solution. So rather than reporting it to authorities, use that to gain trust, get insight, and educate the kids. That way you know what's going on, parent Joyce Stephen told KATU. Here's a look at some surprising takeaways from recent research about sex lives of the millennial generation. Uh, here's a look at some surprising takeaways from the recent research about the sex lives. Of, well, same thing. Uh, end of the article. I'm not sure why that paragraph is in there, but end of the article. Uh, your thoughts on the state getting into the sex lives of teenagers. I think it's a little, I think it's a little much. You know, this is what I've learned from hanging out with you for as long as I have. I think that there's a lot of things that the government does that just doesn't make sense. And I really don't understand why they do it. Um, kids are going to be kids. I mean, I can't, I can't, I kind of want to, I almost want to ask the people who are creating these laws, at what point did they start becoming sexually active? Um, and if, that someone reporting it to the state would have done. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. I, I really don't know what they're trying to prevent. Um, I do think education and awareness training is always a good thing. And yeah, I, you know, and, and teachers too. Like, I think it's great that they also are 
understand that it's about having conversations and making the kids feel like they have someone to talk to and trust. Um, and I'm glad that a lot of them are possibly choosing to kind of ignore the mandate. Well, I will say this is definitely mission creep. Um, in so far as they, you know, I, I've been quoted long ago as saying, uh, when it comes to the state, if you give them an inch, they will take your life, right? But they do it slowly, uh, inch by inch, foot by foot, yard by yard, mile by mile, right? So they, they, they start programs like this uh, where they say, well, it just has to be reported. And don't worry about reporting it. Uh, no one's going to get arrested for it. We just want the information. We just want to know. Right. And, and that'll be OK for a little bit until someone gets arrested for it. Right. Until some other teenager, you know, some other 17 year old who's having sex uh, with a 16 year old partner gets arrested, goes to jail for sexual abuse, uh, ends up on the sex offender registry, can't get a job, can't live anywhere you know, nearby, uh, has to go around door to door, knocking on people's doors, and say, hey, I'm a sex offender. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, ruins their life uh, forever. Right, because at some point, sometime when they were young, some teacher uh, had to report that they were having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And it just it and so it's it's just mission creep uh, on the part of the state, just like every other you know small minor inconvenience uh, for a policy that they introduce. Um, you 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 said something and I forget what it was, um, but try to read it one thing you said because I wanted to comment on it and I just forgot. Was it about just government in general or was it about the teachers providing a safe space for the kids to come and talk to them? No, but I think it was, you know, you, you wanted to like ask the, the, the government officials, um, you know, at what point they became sexually active and they will probably say, uh, probably about 16 or 17.3 years old. Right. And they will say, well, they got lucky, right. They, they, they made it out of that safely without enduring any of the, the cost and tribulations of, you know, teenage pregnancy or any, any of the, or, uh, STDs or anything like that, um, that are a risk of having sex at that age. Right. You know, we, we look, we can look back right back to, you know, president Obama, right. Who admittedly, uh, you know, uh, smoked weed in high school and college and all that other stuff, or, or George W. Bush. If you, if you think I'm only bashing, uh, Obama who, you know, admittedly, uh, used cocaine and, and Bill Clinton. Well, we know what he did. Right. Um, they, they all admit it and they, their reaction is always, well, I got lucky. I got lucky that I didn't, I didn't have to pay the cost or have the penalty or got in trouble or got busted by the state, uh, for doing those things. Right. So if you ask a politician, uh, who's putting these laws together, they go, well, I got lucky that it wasn't me that, that was, you know, damaged by this, but I'm trying to protect the future. I'm trying to protect the children. I'm trying to protect, you know, this generation of, of people from, from the harms and the costs that I escaped, luckily. And so they won't have to go through what I didn't go through, but may have uh, if it weren't for these, you know, laws, rules, regulations, and codes, uh, and, and, you know, teachers uh, to, to help the state, uh, you know, uh, catch these deviant behaviors. Does that answer your question? I mean, I, I, I know you didn't really ask the question, um, but it was something you mentioned. So any other thoughts on that? Well, I think after today's show, I'm realizing how much society is driven by on fear. Um, and I, I'm not sure if it's the state that's perpetuating the fear or the state is responding to society's fear, meaning it seems like everyone in, 
today is going to extreme lengths to prevent things from happening. And it kind of reminds me of my friend when they were getting ready to have a child and they were really nervous about becoming parents because, you know, they wanted to do the right thing and raise their kid the right way and wanted to make sure that, you know, this didn't happen and this didn't happen and this didn't happen. And um, another friend of ours who uh, has three children told our other friend who was going to be a first time parent that there's no way you can prepare for everything. And... I think this that this is just like a bigger what's the word macrocosm example of of that situation um there's just too much too many people trying to prevent so many things uh that I think it's getting to the point where it's getting a little ridiculous. I'm glad you finally realize how ridiculous the state is and has been getting. Uh, so that'll do it for us this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, if you want to read the rest of the articles that we had prepared for show prep or add your own for next week's show, uh, do that in the Facebook groups, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. Uh, and if you like the sound of M's voice and want to hear more of it, uh, donate through Patreon uh, so we can have her back on the show and get paid for it at the same time. Patreon.com slash The Anarchist Experience. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.